Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome to this special year-end episode of the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. I'm your host, Modern Bar Cart CEO, Eric Koslick. For our new listeners out there, this is the first full year that we've produced and distributed the podcast. We started it halfway through 2017, learned a whole lot during those first few months about audio production and sound quality, and then really started taking off thanks to the efforts of our amazing audio production specialist, Samantha Reed. She's the person who goes in and fixes all the little mistakes I make when we record, and I feel very confident saying that we wouldn't be this successful without her help. So starting off this episode, I want to give a huge holiday shout out to Sammy Reed, audio editor extraordinaire. But, you know, beyond just making some audio quality improvements, I think we really stepped up our game in 2018 in terms of the quality of our interviews. We had some incredible guests, and part of this episode is going to be dedicated to some of my favorite moments with those folks. But first, as my toast to you, our listeners, as we round out 2018, I think this would be a perfect time for you to make yourself a drink. This episode's featured cocktail is a simple one, the champagne cocktail. And I bring it up now because it's the cocktail I most often recommend to folks who really want to spice up their New Year's champagne toast. To make a champagne cocktail, you'll need one sugar cube per drink, Domino's works great, one flute of champagne, and a good bottle of lavender bitters. Now, notice I didn't mention any measurements here, and that's because this is just about the simplest cocktail you're ever gonna make, and it adapts well to glassware of different dimensions and volumes. Let's assume you're making a tray of champagne cocktails to present to your guests for a New Year's Eve toast. If that's the case, all you need to do is drop a sugar cube into each champagne flute and then saturate that sugar cube with lavender bitters, the same as if you were using aromatic bitters when you're prepping your classic old fashioned. You just wanna soak that sugar cube, not too much, not too little, just enough. Then all you have to do is top up each glass with champagne or some other dry sparkling white wine and serve it up. The sugar cube acts as kind of a time-released flavor capsule for the lavender bitters, and it provides a beautiful fizzing presence at the bottom of the glass. It kind of focuses the bubbles upwards in a single stream, which is really beautiful. So if you have an extra couple bucks to spend on an easy DIY New Year's spectacle, I think you can't really go wrong with a batch of champagne cocktails. And of course, I have to plug our embitterment lavender bitters here, which are absolutely perfect for a cocktail that begs for a little dash of spring in the depths of winter. I wanted to offer this New Year's cocktail because the Modern Bar Cart podcast is going to be taking a very, emphasis, very brief hiatus here as the holidays transition to 2019. We'll be back and better than ever in a couple weeks. But this is the time that we take to spend with our friends and family recovering from the holiday rush and experimenting with the next round of projects that we'll bring you over the airwaves in 2019. 
But this episode, I've got two main goals. First, I want to very quickly give you a rundown of what we brought you in 2018 by the numbers. And then to round out the year, I'd like to present a few of my favorite sound bites that illustrate what I think are some of the best insights that our guests have brought us over the past 12 months. It's a little mini best of episode and you'll get some extra meta commentary from me along the way. So if you're ready, let's take a look at those numbers. In 2018, we published a total of, including this one, 50 episodes, five zero. That's pretty darn close to one per week. And if you're wondering, those 50 episodes contain over 2,300 minutes of audio for a total of over 37 hours of airtime. So if anyone wants to take the Modern Bar Cart Podcast Challenge, you can totally binge our 2018 episodes if you have a day and a half to spend with your earbuds in. Most importantly, I want to talk downloads here. This year, we received almost 20,000 downloads. And to the NPRs and the Gimlet Medias and the Radiotopias out there, you know, those places where the rest of your podcasts come from, this might not sound like that big of a deal. They throw hundreds of thousands of dollars at their shows. So 20,000 is just kind of a small number to them. But for us, a small dedicated group of people who are here to provide extremely nutritious content, those 20,000 downloads mean more than you can imagine. It's proof of growth. It's proof that people are coming back week after week into all of those folks who have come up to me in person at events, especially over the past couple weeks, and told me how much you enjoy the show. It's proof that we're making a real difference in the lives of real listeners. And that is awesome. So to everyone out there who's responsible for even one of those 20,000 downloads, thank you. We're here to serve you and we can't wait to do even better in 2019. At the end of the show, I'll give you a little sneak peek at exactly how we plan to do that. But for now, let's take a quick cruise through my selected highlights of 2018. These are clips that have been rolling around in my head ever since we recorded them. And so I thought it would be good to give them a little bit more airtime and see if you can get some added value out of them as well. Starting off, we've got a quick clip from my interview with Shanna Farrell, author of the book Bay Area Cocktails. I think she has a super fun approach to New Year's resolutions, and I just couldn't resist sharing this soundbite with you as we approach 2019. Take a listen. All right, so if you could give any piece of advice to somebody who's just starting to learn about or experiment with cocktails or home bartending, uh, based on your experience, based on what you've known and read and learned over the years, what would you advise them to do? So I would actually advise them to get out of their comfort zone a little bit. So there was one year where I hadn't been the biggest gin drinker, and I felt like I was missing out on a ton of drinks. And so I decided my New Year's resolution was to drink more gin. And it opened up a whole world to me. And now I, I love gin. I drink it all the time. Um, and I just, I think it's a fantastic base for a cocktail. So, I mean, even doing something like that where it's like, okay, I'm familiar with this one thing, but I want to push it a little bit. So I'm going to go to a bar and I'm going to order this and then I'm going to learn more about it and maybe buy a bottle of it at home and start experimenting with things so I can 
understand what I like. The other thing I really like about this clip is how Shanna approaches comfort zones. I think it's absolutely crucial to identify where the boundaries of your personal comfort zone lie when it comes to spirits and cocktails, and then work little by little to expand that zone as you travel through the world and sample new drinks. I think, first of all, it's the sign of an engaged mind. It's the sign of a person with an adult relationship to alcohol, and I think that drive to learn is just the mark of a more curious and interesting person. So all around, I think pushing your comfort zone just a little bit is a very good thing. Next up, we've got some thoughts from mixologist and Nocturne Bar beverage director Hakeem Hamid on how he approaches the creative process when developing new and innovative cocktails. This is a slightly longer clip. And what I want you to listen for is how Hakeem's creative process is driven by a passion for flavor and a deep curiosity about cultures and ingredients. Here he is explaining how he developed one of the most innovative cocktails on the Nocturne Bar menu. So it was, it was quite enlightening in terms of a lot of the research that had to go into this, especially Scandinavia. Hmm. Uh, it's, I bet. <laughs> it's the one that I knew I was the most attracted to because I knew the least about it. And my research started with texting and calling my chefs that I work with from all over and like, so how do you feel about this ingredient? You've actually been and like, what did you think of Noma and, and what documentaries do you recommend? And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, I'm watching Anthony Bourdain 50 times and Andrew Zimmern and all these documentaries that I could find and just the research. And it, I want it to become this really earthy, respectful of the land region that told a story. And this region literally tells a story from beginning to end. I hope everyone comes in and everyone's experience is different so I won't tell the story. Sure. Um, as it will evolve based on how you choose your cocktails. But it was super sexy and romantic to see some of the ingredients come together in such a rare way. And I'll just talk about the North Sedan, which means the north side. This is an all alcohol, a cocktail or booze forward, if you will, using over three vermouths, vodka, chartreuse, saffron, fennel, celery, pears, rhubarb, strawberry, and it's very of the earth and it's very clean and it's so picturesque once you see the presentation and in my mind, I'm like, none of these ingredients make sense. Mm. <laughs> you know, just working with like the teacher said, two plus two equals four, right? And then, you know, someone like me comes along and is like, well, what about eight divided by two? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, is there another way to get there? But just using that very novice and juvenile thinking, I'm like, none of this stuff makes sense. And then I'm pushing myself and having dreams about the cocktails. I'm like, no, it does make sense. Once I finally build the ratio to have everything go together. Yeah, I like that, the dream logic yeah. aspect of, of design. Uh, I actually have a question about that, uh, the, the Nora Sedan. Mm -hmm. uh, so you said you're using multiple types of vermouth, mm -hmm. and then, okay, so I got vodka and chartreuse as you know boozy spiritus elements, and then with the saffron, fennel, and celery, were those actually used as garnishes, or were they used in an infusion or a syrup at some point? Oh, fantastic. So the fennel and celery are infused in the vodka. 
the ratio for that varies because very um, agriculturally, everything doesn't taste the same every time. And I prefer for not all of the cocktails to taste exactly the same all the time because they're organic, they're evolving. And it goes back to another part about my menu, which I absolutely love, is when they say, oh, well, uh, when's your next menu coming out? Is this seasonal? Well, it's winter here, but it's not on other regions. So I don't necessarily have to keep up with our seasons, uh, so to speak. And I think uh, the Nora Sedan, as well as several other cocktails, kind of take a nod towards that understanding, um, for sure. The saffron was a last-minute element where it's almost as a, a sweet tincture, if you will. I didn't need so much more bitter as I needed something to round off some of these sharper flavors from celery, fennel, and just the vodka by itself, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I used it in that way, and it was an afterthought. Um, I think I had another dream about the cocktail, <laughs> and the chartreuse was doing something really special for me um, when it was presented, and it had this beautiful yellowish chartreuse color to it. And then once the saffron um, tincture was finished and I added it to the cocktail, it got even brighter and almost radioactive. And I was like, this is badass. Like, this is, now, now it's there. Even if you can't imagine going to sleep and dreaming about a cocktail that you're working on, I think one thing we can all admire is the slightly offbeat approach that Hakeem takes to cocktail design. Okay, two plus two equals four, but what if I can get the same answer by approaching things in a slightly different way? And is there something about the different approach that suddenly makes the end product just a little bit more valuable? I'll leave that hanging there for you to answer for yourself. Next up, we have a clip from Mark Forsyth, author of A Short History of Drunkenness. And this was a conversation that I could have kept going for hours. It spans the entirety of human history, and we really dig into why and how humans drink the way we do. Excellent interview. I highly recommend it. At the end of that conversation, I posed a question to Mark that was maybe a bit unfair in that it required him to speak for everyone who has ever lived and consumed alcohol. I honestly had no clue how he was going to respond, but his reply was simultaneously simple and mind-blowing. Check it out. Do you find that it's largely a positive thing or a negative thing? If you had to balance out good and evil, uh, which way do you think the scale would swing for alcohol and drunkenness? I'm basically in favor of alcohol, but to slightly twist your question and not answer it, the thing about all human societies, all human societies have had a drug, some drug. Humans basically, or most humans, can't take very much reality. We need something to take the edge off it. There have been very few cultures where alcohol had a secondary place, but the uh, the Aztecs, for example, they were into more into hallucinogens than they were into alcohol. Alcohol just outcompetes the other drugs, really. It's, it's just more fun, it's better, it's healthier. And it's one of those things about um, when people talk about occasionally the war on drugs, and stamping drugs out. There isn't a war on drugs. There's a war between drugs. And alcohol is a drug. Caffeine is a drug. Nicotine is a drug. People need a drug of some sort. And if you just, if I mean, if you wanted to 
get rid of uh, cocaine or heroin or whatever it is, just take the tax off alcohol and make it universally available. Nobody will go for the other one, but we need something. We need something. Alcohol seems to me the best for that. Humans can't take much reality. We need something to take the edge off it. This gets into some of the more philosophical or existential questions we can ask about alcohol and Because I run a company dedicated to the pursuit of cocktails, I think I'm at least a little responsible for sorting out my own personal relationship to alcohol as a drug and trying to present cocktails in a healthy way. And ever since I had this conversation with Mark, I've been asking myself from time to time, what's your drug today and why are you using it? Some days my drug is a good cocktail because I need to unwind. Some days it's an extra long run to get my endorphins pumping, and some days it's just a really delicious meal so that I feel nourished. I learned from Mark that yes, everybody needs a drug, but in today's world of easy access and free information, we have the unique opportunity, looking back on the vast sweep of history, to mindfully tailor the drug to the ailment, which is, in my opinion, the healthiest way to avoid overdoing it on any one substance. Rounding things out, we have a clip from Maggie Hoffman, author of the extremely popular book, The One Bottle Cocktail. Maggie's thoughts here are in response to a question I had about simplicity versus complexity in cocktails. And if there's one little snippet I've quoted most from the podcast this year, it's the last sentence of this clip. Take a listen. You know, there are great bars today that make simple cocktails really well, especially people who are trained by Sasha Petrasky, Milk and Honey. They're making great, simple drinks. And then some of the modern classics you'll see are riffs on those drinks. You know, maybe they're using scotch instead of another spirit. And those are wonderful. These days, I tend to blame cocktail competitions for the increasing crazy complexity of drinks. And I think Instagram as well is responsible that bartenders who are now in this career for their whole lives, it's such a cool career and industry to be in, feel pressure to do something crazy, something new, something truly creative. And these things get really complicated. And, you know, some places it turns into a whole performance that the glass is filled with smoke and, you know, they're using a house blend of four different vermouths and bars have learned how to produce incredibly complex cocktails and take advantage of the economy of scale. And that's where things have shifted is that a bar can make the most complex cocktails they ever have. And it can make sense for them because they're producing them for a hundred people. So at Trick Dog, I live down the street from Trick Dog, which is this amazingly creative cocktail bar where they do a new menu that's beautifully designed every six months or so. And you look at the ingredients list and you think this is going to take forever. And it doesn't because they have figured out a system to make these drinks at scale and they can just add the fresh ingredients at the last minute. And so they have their house waffle liqueur and they have this smoked thing and this infused thing and all these fussy, crazy things, or they're serving something that's been aged in a barrel and something that's 40 years old. It's not going to be something you do at home. 
And so what I've been saying lately is that there's never been a time where what's happening in bars and what's happening at your home cocktail hour have been more different. There's never been a time where what's happening at bars and what's happening at your home cocktail hour have been more different. And I think what this calls for is more and better conversations between home bartenders and the folks who call spirits and cocktails their primary vocation. Yes, I absolutely think that it's on home enthusiasts to familiarize themselves with new ingredients or emerging methods of drink preparation, but I also think that the industry needs to come to the table more often and stake out time to educate folks about how they can do things better at home. It's a bi-directional process, and one thing I can promise you is that the Modern Bar Cart Podcast is going to do as much as we can to host those conversations and distribute the highest quality spirits and cocktail knowledge in 2019 and beyond. That's our goal. To do this, we're going to make a couple important investments. One is in continued audio quality improvement. We just picked up some great new gear, including a Zoom H4 mic for better mobile recording. We're also budgeting to get ourselves into a studio space before the year is out, and that's going to have a lot of implications. In addition, we'll be continuing to spread out and locate the best guests in the U.S. and beyond. This starts with a lengthy podcasting journey to the West Coast in early 2019. So if you're a West Coast listener and you want to recommend guests or volunteer to appear personally on the show, please email podcast at modernbarcart.com and we'll try and get something set up. Finally, we're going to start working slowly but surely to get more video content to pair with the podcast. We'll start with a few experiments and then hopefully with a bit of luck and the right partners, we can come to you live on all those video mediums you love, including YouTube, Instagram TV, and Facebook Live, just to name a few. Audio is a great medium for communicating information, which is our primary goal, but sometimes when it comes to cocktails, it just helps to see the drinks get made and develop a visual sense for your spirits and mixed drinks. So stay tuned for that as well. My name is Eric Koslick. I am the CEO of Modern Bar Cart, the host of this podcast, and one incredibly grateful human being. I so thank you for joining us as we investigate the wide world of spirits and cocktails, and I can't wait to dive right back in in 2019. Cheers. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Bar Cart. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarcart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. And the beauty is, the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start a cocktail revolution here, and by spreading the word, you're helping us fight the good fight. You can always reach us by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com if you're looking for cocktail or bartending advice, or if you're a pro who would like to pull up a mic and be interviewed for all to hear. Also, definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Bar Cart for cocktail porn, recipes, and entertaining tips. 
and keep an eye out for new product releases and special offers, which are happening all the time. We love our listeners and we really enjoy giving you exclusive discounts and sneak peeks at our latest and greatest cocktail projects. This episode may be over, but for you, the mixological fun and adventures are just beginning. So remember folks, drink responsibly and experiment boldly.